Well, we're going to continue our series on community, and uh, I just want to take a moment to say, man, you guys are a worshiping church. Hearing your voices singing, it's awesome. We're in week 10 here for Kalos Church. Isn't that amazing? We're in the double digits. Come on, somebody. And uh, I'm so proud of what God's doing here, the lives that have been changed, and uh, I, I love it. Community developing, uh, people helping each other out, friendships forming, praying for one another. It's just amazing to see lives transformed in this place. God working through you. So week 10. And uh, I want to I wanna share that. Before I get into my message, we have a, an opportunity as Kalos Church where we can serve our local community. Uh, there's an outreach uh, for a women's shelter for homeless women who have found themselves in a difficult time. A lot of times when we think of Bellevue, we think it's, you know, only filled with affluent people or very wealthy. But there's people from all sorts of different walks, people that are just going through hard times, easy times. People are always in different seasons. And so we as Kalos Church have an opportunity in December, on December 2nd from 3 to 6 p.m., where we can go to this women's shelter called the Sophia Way. They've asked that we would be able to help them. And we're going to go in there before the new year starts, and we're going to deep clean that place as a church and this is cool they asked us if we would help them set up and decorate for christmas how fun does that sound where are my christmas decorators at you guys decorated before october anybody decorate in october november decorators breaking any laws as soon as halloween was over my wife decorated our christmas tree set it up i was out of town for one weekend she's like honey I did it. <laughs> I set up the Christmas tree. You were gone. <laughs> it's past Halloween, so it's totally legal. So we are going to partner with this ministry. We're going to love people right here in our neighborhood, right here in downtown Bellevue, the Sophia Way. If you're interested in linking arms with us and being a blessing to people in our community, go to kaloschurch.com, and we have a form there you can sign up. So kaloschurch.com as opposed to kaloschurch.com church kaloschurch.com and that is awesome i hope you guys will join us so we're starting our our fifth installment today of our series called community and i'm so excited we've been talking about the early church about how the early church the first church that ever existed they did life together they met as the big church they met in the temple courts the first sermon preached as the early church resulted in like 3,000 people becoming followers of Jesus. So immediately they had a church of like 3,000 people. And they met as large gather gatherings. They met in the temple court. But on the other hand, it says in Acts 2 that they met in houses. So they had big church, but they also had small church. And we at Kalos Church, we are desperate that we would share the hope of Jesus with everyone who needs some hope. Amen? We're not okay with keeping the secret life-saving news of Jesus to ourselves. And sometimes in church world, we, uh, we finally find our community, and we finally feel like we make friends. And then we're afraid of getting too big. We don't want to just be a large church. And we end up creating what some people call the Seattle freeze. Because we're like, I finally found my community. I finally found my group. I don't want just to be about numbers. I want to keep this group small. And so let's just keep it small. But then people feel that. 
People can feel like when you don't want a group to grow bigger. When people feel like there's not room for one more, we don't have a seat for you, we create the Seattle freeze. But at the same time, we, want, we don't want to just be about numbers. We don't just want to be about quantity. We want, ha we want to have quality and discipleship. We want to know each other's names and stories and live life together to have each other's backs because I need you and you need me and we need us and community is born from adversity. We don't want to just be companions. We want to be comrades. And so the existence of small church meeting house to house is super important. So we can have uh, quantity reaching as many people as possible, but also quality where we're not just uh, butts and seats, but we can be friends in circles. Amen. And so there's this tension, and we've been talking about this whole dynamic in uh, Kalos Church because, let's be honest, we want to thaw the Seattle freeze, amen? We don't want people to feel like there's not room for them. There's always room for one more at Kalos Church. There's always one room for one more. And today, I want to talk about something, though, that I think is a potential community killer, something that we may have not heard of or thought about. And so the title of my message today is, What You Reveal Begins to Heal. And I want to talk about how secret sin and shame that we keep to ourselves eventually results in us keeping to ourselves as community. And that secret shame and guilt and things that we don't like that we do, we withhold from one another, and that results in isolation. I want to read from 1 John 1.9. It says this, but if we confess our sins to him, talking about God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I love our God that as we confess our sins to Jesus, we are faithfully forgiven. How many of you guys have been forgiven by God. You've received a new start, a fresh start. You've felt freedom. You've felt like you've received that new life. And it's amazing. I'm so thankful that we have a God that we can confess our sins and find forgiveness. It's awesome. But I want to take that a next step because many of us, we confess our sins, but then we also get in a cycle of committing those same sins over and over and over. And it feels like we're broken. It feels like we're stuck in a rut. It feels like there's something sick about us and it seems like even though we find forgiveness we end up back in the same old place again and that can be super depressing amen why am I doing this again why am I still struggling with this I confess it to God and so I want to move this scripture and progress to James 5 16 which says this and this is a scripture that's going to be our key scripture for today James 5 16 it says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We find forgiveness when we confess our sins to God, but we find healing when we confess our sins to one another. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Have you ever had a moment where you're holding on to a secret? You're holding on to something, whether it's a good secret or whether it's a shameful secret, and you just, you have to share with someone. You feel like you're going to burst or, oh, I just need to get something off my chest because you can't handle it anymore. Where are my people who are horrible at keeping secrets? You're like, I am immediately going to tell anybody who looks at me in a weird way. Okay. <laughs> where are my people who are great at keeping secrets? All right. And where is everybody else? <laughs> this is not rhetorical. Okay. <laughs> Keeping secrets is crazy. You know, I was reading through some uh, memes on the internet. 
for different secrets. There's this meme, which is like an internet pop culture thing where you put a picture and text over it. It's thematically consistent. And there's a meme called Confession Bear. Have you ever heard of Confession Bear? And so people share things that they've never shared with anybody. And I want to show you some of these things that people have gotten off their chest. And I'm praying that we will find healing in this place. Amen? We're going to find some healing. So let's, let's show some of these. Sometimes when I fart in the car, I roll the windows up. Oh, man, that's nasty. That's nasty, Josh Lewis. That's na- not saying... Oh, was I not supposed to tell anybody that? Just, just kidding. That was, <laughs> what'd you say? Oh, yeah, it was anonymous. I'm so sorry. I repent. That was not Josh. All right, next one. I did see your text message. I was just too lazy to text you back. Uh, You guys have friends that do that? You pointing to yourself? (laughs) All right, another confession. When I turn off the lights downstairs at night, I still run up the stairs as fast as possible. (laughs) I actually do this one. I don't know. It's like something's going to chase me. I don't know what, but. All right, next one. Uh, I turn the sink on to make it sound like I washed my hands. Some of you guys are like, don't look at me. I don't do that. How'd you find out? (laughs) Nasty. Next one. When people congratulate me me on my pregnancy, I tell them I'm not actually pregnant just to see the looks of horror on their faces. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I've done that one. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it feels good to get these things off our chest. Amen. And, uh, yeah, it's just starts like <laughs> we, uh, we have these secrets sometimes in our lives that we just need to get off our chest, and they're bogging us down, sometimes funny, sometimes they're things that are just hurting us. And I remember as a, a child, uh, I was super stubborn, and I didn't like to eat food that my parents gave me. And my sister and I, we were really picky eaters when we were growing up. And uh, our family had this rule that if you don't finish your food, you can't leave the table. Any families like that? If you don't finish your food, you're not, you're not leaving the table. And so my sister and I, we just didn't know what to do. We would stay there sometimes one hour, two hours. The lights would be turned off. All our food would get cold. Uh, we would ask for several trips to go to the bathroom, and we would spit our food out in the toilet. Don't act like you didn't do that. And uh, we just... We just hated eating food sometimes. They're super picky eaters. And uh, there's this one day, though, my mom said, do you guys smell something bad in the, in the kitchen? We're like, we don't know what you're talking about. We honestly didn't smell it. And then after a while of searching and searching and searching, she walked up to my sister and I, and she said, all right, I need you guys to come to the kitchen. You guys are in big trouble. And she unveiled to us that in this part of the cabinet, we used to eat on a kitchen counter uh, that was connected to like um, the sink and everything. We'd have like bar stools up there. She opened up one of the cabinets and saw that there was a pile of rotting food there that had been there for like over a week or two. <laughs> Little did my sister and I know that we had the same idea <laughs> to get out of eating food. When my mom wasn't looking, we found this little hole in the counter, <laughs> and we would just slide our food and get rid of it, and we thought we would never get caught up. Caught. And so I would do it, and then my sister would do it, and there's just a sweet, sweet aroma going through the kitchen, a sweet, sweet fragrance. 
The fragrance of chicken curry that was never eaten. The fragrance of a Sri Lankan mom trying to make American meatloaf. Oh, such a sweet fragrance. I can remember it this day. <laughs> and we thought we were getting away with the secret that it was just disappearing. But honestly, the longer that this food was hidden in the darkness, swept away, actually, the more severe the problem got. The more severe the smell got. The more severe the mold and the disgusting nature of food in the corner. And I want to make a connection today that, you know, the scripture says in James 5:16, as we confess our sins to one another, we find healing. And I believe that many of us have fallen into the trap where we have these sins in our life or these things we're ashamed of or we've made mistakes or things have happened to us that are painful and shameful. And instead of confronting them, instead of bringing them into the light, we sweep them away. We stuff them into the corner. And we might think that they have disappeared, but over time, they start to fester and get worse and grow and grow and get more painful and more disgusting and these are the realities of secret sins and shames in our life. And it is powerful that we can confess our sins to God and find forgiveness. But at Kalos Church, as a community, I want to make sure we're not just growing in numbers, but we're a healthy community. Amen? That we would grow in healing and we would walk in the light and not darkness. We're as sick as our secrets. And I, I just want to share today, big picture, is that what you reveal begins to heal. There's this quote from a pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer who uh, wrote prolifically throughout World War II. And he was a man who actually opposed the Nazi regime, opposed Hitler, and escaped from Germany, was able to study in America. But he had a congregation back home. He had a group of people that followed his lead. And he said, oh my goodness, I felt like the Lord spoke to me that said, hey, if you ever want to be part of rebuilding the church in Germany, you can't leave them when times get tough. You need to suffer alongside with them. You need to walk with them through the trenches and the pain. And so willingly, he left the safety of America and he went back to Germany where Adolf Hitler was strongly opposed against him so that he could suffer alongside his people. And he ended up being executed for what he believed and what he attempted to accomplish. And he writes this about community in a book he wrote, Life Together, talking about isolation and how secret sin creates isolation, which results in being a community killer. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. That can happen even in the midst of a pious community or a spiritual community or a church community. In confession, the light of the gospel breaks into the darkness and seclusion of the heart, confessing, revealing, sharing. The sin must be brought into the light. The unexpressed may be openly spoken and acknowledged. All that is secret and hidden is made manifest. It is a hard struggle until the sin is openly admitted. 
but God breaks the gates of brass and bars of iron that are trapping us. The reality is many of us, we feel trapped, we feel alone, we feel like there are things in our hearts, in our lives that we cannot share anybody. And today, by the end of this message, I want to challenge you that if there's something that you're walking through alone, that you would believe in the power of community with us. And that secret shame, that secret pain, that secret something that has been haunting you and hurting you and oppressing you and trapping you, we're going to ask that you'd be vulnerable enough to let someone love you, that you'd share your secret and find healing in the name of Jesus. Because I believe that your secret and guilt is a barrier to experiencing true community. You can only keep things to yourself for so long before you feel like you're all by yourself. And so I want to share some things that confession does for us. Confession does and it opens us up. And even on a biological level, there's a spiritual level of healing and sickness that secrets keep because we're as sick as our secrets. But even on a biological level, let me share something um, from this neurosurgeon about what secrets does to us on a physical, biological level. This is from a neurosurgeon named Gopal Chopra, and it says this in the quote, in other words, if your prefrontal cortex wins the battle with your brain over keeping a secret, so your, your body naturally doesn't want to keep a secret, but if you are able to suppress it, if you win this victory over the prefrontal cortex of your brain, the pressure it causes in the cingulate cortex leads your body to ramp up production of stress hormones. This is known as the fight or flight response, often triggered when we feel anxiety or fear. If the reaction persists, it can have potentially serious consequences. Every time you think about a deeply held secret, stress hormones such as cortisol can surge, impacting your memory, blood pressure, gastrointestinal tract, and metabolism. Those hormones also include, I don't know how to say that. Say it with me. That's right, we all said it together. Chopra says, which affects the part of the brain where attention and responses are controlled. So secrets, yes, on a spiritual level, allows things to grow and we feel trapped and we find ourselves in the cycle of repeating it over and over and over because it's just stuck in the darkness and it grows and festers. But also on a physical level, there are things that are harming us, secrets that we're holding in within ourselves. And I really want to communicate that your secrets and shame could be the reason you're not experiencing true community. And so I want to share real quick three points, basically, about how confession destroys pride, confession brings healing, and confession creates room for someone to love you. Awesome. You know, we don't want to be that TMI person. You walk to a party, too much information. Hey, how are, uh, how, how are you doing? You know, that person. Uh, how are you doing? Well, I lied to my coworker the other day, and I think I just kidnapped someone. Whoa! 
<laughs> nice to meet you, too. We don't want to be that person that is like, you know, uh, wears their emotion on their sleeves. Hey, how are you doing? I am about to punch you. Get out of my face. Okay, tell me how you really feel. Not many of us want to be so openly exposed. And we have this idea that, especially in a Christian community, that everybody around me in a church, everyone worshiping, they're all perfect people. Like, they have no sins. They have no faults. They've never made a mistake. They've never said something that they regretted. Like, if people knew who I really was, they would be ashamed of me. But everybody around me, they're awesome. They're good looking. They're well spoken. They are just spiritual superstars. They're giants. And we resist sharing things we're struggling with because we want to save face. We want to keep up the facade, the image that we have it all together. Proverbs 16, 18 says this about pride, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And I believe that us not sharing our secrets is a, a prideful thing. It's a matter of the heart. And we're even seeing this in Hollywood right now. There, there are people who have kept secrets within certain communities because someone was too big to fall or they, they thought like nobody's gonna listen to me and now we're seeing a major exposure in politics uh, with secret sexual sins. We're seeing Hollywood actors and producers being called out of the woodworks because they thought they could keep their secret safe. They thought they could have kept it in the dark. They didn't want to share it. They didn't want to lose their reputation. They didn't want to face the consequences, but the thing about truth is that it always comes to the light eventually. And we try to keep these secrets because we want people to think that we are better than we really are. But I, I, want, I want to just, I hope I'm not bursting your bubble, but I just want to acknowledge we don't think you have it all together, okay? If you're in this room, we don't think you're all that. We think that you make mistakes and you're messed up and jacked up just like I am. I don't really think you guys think I'm perfect either. I make mistakes every day. I have to confess things all the time because, let's be honest, I, I need Jesus because I'm not perfect. Anybody with me? And in the church, sadly, we think this is the place where we always have to bring our best. But I dream of a day in Kalo's church where we feel like this is a place where we can bring our worst because we're a safe place, we're a safe community, and pride doesn't have to be the deterring factor for us to experience true community. Amen? Can we all agree that this is an okay place to not be okay? That this is a place where you can be vulnerable, where you can acknowledge that you're not perfect, where you have made mistakes and you need Jesus and that the beauty of Jesus is that even in our ugliness he is still faithful and true and just so perfect in our time of needs can we be a community that admits that we need Jesus and so confession destroys pride another quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this the pious fellowship pious is like piety or spirituality or this you know kind of holier than thou if you want to look at it this way, but it says this, the pious fellowship permits no one to be a sinner. So everybody must conceal his sin from himself and from the fellowship. We dare not to be sinners. Many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is suddenly discovered among the righteous. 
So we remain alone with our sin, living in lies and hypocrisy. The fact is that we are all sinners. Amen. You know, confessing sin is humiliating. But the fact is, what we often interpret as pride, admitting we have faults, sharing something that we normally wouldn't share, when we evaluate our own hearts, we think, if I share that, it will make people think that I'm weak. But the opposite is true. If I was to confess to you all right now something that I'm really struggling with, you guys wouldn't call me weak. You'd say I'm courageous. And when we share and allow our prize to be destroyed, we find that confession feels like weakness, but it's a demonstration of strength. Confession feels like weakness, but it's actually a demonstration of strength. I remember my, my friend growing up, he was really struggling with uh, looking at images on the internet, and uh, he was just addicted. He was in a cycle of looking at these things over and over again, just inappropriate adult content. And he said, Pradeepan, hey, I really don't want to be stuck in this anymore. So every time I mess up, I'm going to tell you, and I want you to punch me in the face. And I said, amen. <laughs> And so uh, he, he shared with me one time, and I just, he was just crying, and he's so broken. He's like, Preven, I did it again. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, I'm not going to punch a weeping man. Like, this is weird. And so, so I wound up, and I went in to punch him, and he's just like, <laughs> and so I just slowly punched him and just kind of rubbed my fist in his mouth, and it was super awkward <laughs> and humiliating. And I never wanted to do that again. <laughs> it was humiliating for both of us. But you know what? Over the years, that man found freedom. He was vulnerable. He was courageous. And I praise the Lord for how God has worked in his life. Amen? Number two, confession brings healing. Confession brings healing. Just like it says in James 5.16, as we confess our sins to one another, we find healing. I agree with this scripture so passionately. When I was living in Korea, I got really sick, and I pretended like I wasn't sick. I uh, started to, I actually just continued going to classes like normal. I was teaching, and uh, I'm with these kids, I'm teaching them, and it's like the middle of the summer, and I'm wearing like winter jackets, and they're like, teacher, you okay? I'm like, I'm gonna make it. I'm, I'm okay. And uh, I would go back to my, my room, and I would just sleep, and I'd be shivering and sweating at the same time. And I'd just pretend that, like the sickness didn't exist. And it went on for a week, and finally Amritha was like, hey, you need to go to the doctor. I'm like, I don't need a doctor. I'm okay. I'm going to heal myself. Watch. She's like, that's not going to work anymore. She's like, all right, can you just let me take your temperature? I'm like, I'm fine, okay? I'll just... I'll just, I'll just work it out, okay? And so finally I agreed. She took my temperature and I was like, what was it, like 104 degrees? And so we Googled it, what is 104 degree temperature? And she's like, honey, you're past the point of permanent brain damage. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, it explains a lot. <laughs> and so, so I revealed 
that, okay, I'm actually sick, and I went to the, the doctor's, the emergency room in Korea. They gave me a shot of penicillin, and I immediately broke my sweat and sweat through like three sheets of bedding. It was super nasty. Uh, but the fact is, like, I was getting worse and worse the more I kept it to myself and thought I was doing okay. But as soon as I was willing to reveal that, hey, maybe I'm not okay, I'll go through the process, I found that when I was able to reveal, I was able to start to heal. And I, I really believe, just like it says in the scripture in James 5, that once you start revealing, you will start healing. Once you bring light into this darkness, you'll go through that experience. I made it to the doctor in Korea because I admitted I'm not okay. And that began the process of healing. And side note, to go to an emergency room to get that shot and to have like a day of bed rest or something like that, the bill was $15 with no Korean insurance. It was awesome. <laughs> Crazy. Love Korea. <laughs> Love Korea. And uh, anyways, uh, we began to heal because we started to reveal. And I, I just want to challenge you guys to start healing by revealing. Another quote. I love these quotes. This is this by Dietrich Bonhoeffer in this book I was talking about. Why is it that it's often easier for us to confess our sins to God than to a brother? God is holy and sinless. He is a just judge of evil and the enemy of all disobedience. But a brother is sinful as we are. He knows from his own experience the dark night of secret sin. Why should we not find it easier to go to a brother than to the holy God? But if we do, we must ask ourselves, whether we have not been deceiving ourselves with confession of sin to God, whether we have not rather been confessing our sins to ourselves and rather granting ourselves absolution or forgiveness. Who can give us that, certainly that, in the confession and forgiveness of our sins? We are not dealing with ourselves, but with the living God. God gives us this certainty through our brother. Our brother breaks the circle of self-deception. Man who confesses his sins in the presence of a brother knows that he is no longer alone with himself. He experiences the presence of God in the reality of the other person. My prayer is that you could experience the presence of God through the love of a brother or sister in Christ. Amen. So number three, confession creates room for someone to love you. Like we've been saying, your secrets and guilt are a barrier to intimacy. You know, because by the time you confess, let's be honest, have you ever gotten something off your chest, shared something before, and by the time you told someone who knows you really well, they're like, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I saw that. I felt that. And you're like, oh, man, I've been so alone in this. I had no one I could tell this to. And by the time you told someone, they're like, you know, I've been praying for you to share that with me. I've been hoping you'd finally admit what you're going through so that I can love you. And confession, number three, it makes room for people to love you. You know, we think, oh, if I confess this to someone, they're, they're going to think less of me. They're not going to like me. They're not going to want anything to do with me. But the opposite is often true. When we admit that we're human and we struggle just like every single other person, typically the response is, man, I'm so sorry you're going through that. How can I have your back? How can I be there with you? Can we pray right now? Or I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be there for you. I mean, just this last week, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable, and band, you guys can come up. 
Um, this last week, I was, I was kind of depressed. I don't know if it's how the, the weather is here and the sun is setting at like 2 p.m. in Seattle. This is crazy. It's 2 p.m., that's too early. And uh, it was just gray and rainy and I, I woke up and I just didn't want to get out of bed. I, d I didn't want to move. I just wanted to go back to sleep. I just didn't really have the strength or the desire to get out of bed at all. And so I slept in. Usually I spend times with my son Obadiah, but Amritha, she took care of him that morning and just kind of let me sleep. And I was just kind of moping around the house, and I, I was just like fighting back tears all day. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I don't want to tell anybody this. You know, I'm a, I'm a pastor. Like, I'm a church planter. Like, we're going into our 10th week of Kalos Church. Like, I, I can't tell anybody because people aren't going to respect me as a leader if I admit that I have mistakes. People aren't going to respect me as a pastor if I, if I admit I'm not, like, brimming with life right now. And I'm, I'm full of hope right now. I'm full of joy at this moment. And so I just kind of kept it to myself. And it, it was just growing. And I felt a little hopeless. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is horrible. And so uh, I, I saw Amritha, and I, I'm just pacing around the house, and, and I don't even want to make eye contact with her, because I know if I do, I will, I will start to cry. Have you ever been there? And you naturally just isolate yourself, just like we've been talking about. In the midst of your pain, you, you isolate yourself, and you somehow think that's going to make things better. But in fact, just like the food in my kitchen, it makes things worse. And so I, I just said to Amritha, Amritha, I think I'm depressed right now. I think I'm like super sad. And she, she didn't actually even say a word. She just walked up to me and hugged me. And I, I just, I began to cry. And then she, she, you know, she didn't know what I was doing, how I was responding. She, so she'd back up a little bit and try to make eye contact with me. And because I'm a man, I'm like, I turn my eyes away. <laughs> I'm not crying. I'm sweating from my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she just started to hug me, and she didn't make me feel like I was a horrible person. She just loved me, and I let her love me. And uh, she didn't say, like, oh, you're, you're just a bad person, or I pity you. She didn't try to make me feel worse for it. She didn't try to one-up me and say, oh, you're sad? Well, I'm much more sad. I'm going through something worse. She didn't do any of that. What she did was she just, she just loved me and she empathized with me and said, hey, I've gone through times like that too. I know what you're going through. Can I pray for you? Can I be there for you? You know, and as, as she loved me, as I let light into this dark part of my soul, I just felt pressure come off of me. I felt like things are gonna be all right. I felt love from Amritha and I felt love from God. And my prayer for you is that you guys would experience that same kind of love, that you'd experience that same kind of freedom, that you'd experience that same kind of healing. And I, I just want to challenge you guys. If there's something you're holding on to, very practically, can you make a decision this week to find someone you trust and tell that secret sin, that shame? Can you allow yourself to be loved, to find healing? Will you just find someone, maybe it's someone in your family, maybe it's a friend, Maybe you don't really trust any of those people and you need to hire a counselor and go through a session just so you can share someone. But I, I just want 
to plead with you. Find healing. Find hope. We find it in Jesus, but we find it in Jesus through people. Let us love you. Let this community come around you. You know, that, that's why we want to start small groups in February. So we're not just anonymous people, butts in rows, but we can be circles and friends. That we can love one another, have each other's backs, create safe places. And my prayer is that we would be a community that starts healing as we start revealing. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to love. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be loved. And Father, I know that this can be a very scary message, a painful message, um, just a daunting message. But Lord, we acknowledge that we all need healing. We all need a fresh start. I pray that if there's secrets that are haunting us, things that we've done that we're ashamed of or things that were done to us that we're ashamed of, Lord, I pray that you would help us find people we can share these secrets with so that we would find healing in the name of Jesus. Would you just commit to sharing with someone this week? Finding someone? You guys can open up your eyes. I believe that this message will help you. And I challenge you, please don't let this just be a message on a Sunday morning. Let it be part of your story of healing. Amen? You know, and there, there are people here, you know, we talked about how in 1 John 1, 9, in that, that scripture in the Bible, that as we confess our sins to God, we find forgiveness. And I, I realize, like, not everybody here is a Christian. Not everybody here has found hope in Jesus, but we're all about making known the beauty of Jesus. And the beauty of Jesus is this, like, when we are ugly, he gives us beauty. We've made mistakes. We need a fresh start. We need forgiveness. We've all tried to walk by our own rules and our own leadership, and it's produced death. And many of us are walking in death day in and day out, and we feel like there's no hope. But I want to let you know that there is hope in Jesus. That death can be turned to life by the power of cross. Jesus Christ, he lived a perfect life, but he was punished on the cross as a criminal. He took on the sickness and the ugliness of humanity, and he transformed it into something beautiful, that this perfect Jesus would willingly lay down his life so that we could experience true life. It's a mystery and a reality and something that we get to walk into that God loves us and likes us. And if you today have never made a decision to follow Jesus through grace, through this free gift that he gives us, I want to give us all an opportunity to make that decision. And I hope you do. Because Jesus can give you that fresh start that true life and life abundantly that we all so desperately seek. And so I want to pray for you if you want to give your life to Jesus. So let's close our eyes one more time. If you're in this place, I just ask that we close our eyes to make this a private holy moment between you and God. But if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Pradeep, and pray for me. I want forgiveness from God. I want to live a life with God. If that's you in this place, on the count of three, just lift up your hands and put it down, and I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Awesome. Hands all over the room. Oh, thank you. If you want to receive that fresh start with God, just lift up your hands so I can see it. That's awesome. 
All right, I wanna, I wanna pray a prayer with us to help guide us in this moment. And I just wanna acknowledge that we wanna do life with you. And so let's pray this prayer as a community. All right, if you could lift up your eyes to the screen. This is just a prayer to help us uh, be guided together as a community. It's, uh, it's not the perfect prayer, it's not complete, but it's a start in the journey of following Jesus. So let's pray this together. God, thank you for loving me. Right now, I choose to follow the ways of Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. I've made mistakes. Please forgive me and help me turn from my old ways forever. Can we give Jesus a round of applause? It's awesome. I saw at least three people raise their hands saying, please pray for me. And I just want to encourage you that this is just the beginning of a journey. Salvation, this fresh start, is a free gift. But Jesus freely gives it to us. Amen? How many of you guys here have been changed by the power of Jesus? This message of hope, it's amazing. May us never forget it.